Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
There is a craziness that makes me think that I have to do it if it's going to happen. I was raised with this foolish saying, if it's going to be, it's up to me. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. So let's look back. Let's try to get some sense of perspective on who it is up to, how it works. Jesus, after his crucifixion and his resurrection, has now finished that portion of his assigned work from the Father. He gave the command to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me talk about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They had lots of questions. He turned their questions away and was lifted up into the heavens. Then the two men dressed in white stood with them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. And they returned then to Jerusalem. Now here's the challenge. They've spent three and a half years having been called out of Judaism, having been called out of the synagogues, having been called out of the acceptable religion of the day. Called out. Called out. I want you to hear that. Called out. They went to the upper room and there they prayed. That's where they stayed. Chapter 2 of the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost. What is Pentecost? It's 50 days after the day of the feast of Passover. It is the celebration, the joy of having been given direction for how they should live at Mount Sinai. So you can guess also that Pentecost coming is going to give some very clear direction for how the disciples are to live. They've been called out. They've been separated from their faith. Their faith is now in Jesus Christ. And now 50 days of prayer. 
And now, the Holy Spirit is going to come and teach them and move in power to bring about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. What happens? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire coming and separating. They heard the sound like the blowing of a violent wind coming from heaven filled the whole house. Did they initiate this? No. This was not a new initiation, a new program. This was the coming of the Holy Spirit. Everyone's amazed. People gather, they've never heard anything like this, and now everyone is hearing the proclamation of the gospel in his own language. They're amazed, they're perplexed, They turn, saying to each other, what does this mean? I mean, they've just gone through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Things are moving very quickly. Many of those people believed on Jesus Christ, but now it's all over. He's gone back to heaven. That's what they heard. That's what they were told. Jesus is no longer here. He's in heaven. Okay, what's next? What does it mean? There were some, as there are some today, who just make fun. They say they're drunk on wine. Please, you've heard this before, but I'm trying to say something I don't think you've ever heard before. And I've been asking the Holy Spirit to give me very clear direction. I'm asking the Holy Spirit if he would teach us how to live before he has to teach us how to die. Because right now what's happening, Jesus is gone, the Holy Spirit has come to a small group of people, 120 people. And now the question is, how are we going to learn how to live? What's the purpose of our lives? What drives us? Peter got that. James and John, they understood. But the vast majority of people did not get it and did not understand. And the vast majority of people today still don't get it and still don't understand. What is the purpose of your life? Well, frankly, the purpose of your life right now, at this moment, 
is to learn how to live before you have to learn how to die. We come to Acts, the second chapter. Many years before, Joel, the prophet, had spoken. And and Peter is standing up, getting the attention of the crowd. It's a It's an unruly crowd. And he begins to speak. It's utterly important that we hear what Peter has to say. Do you understand? We're in that, we're in that same period of time. Jesus has come. His miracles took place is healing, and now he's returned to heaven to complete his work in the heavenly sanctuary. And now what are we going to do? In the last days, Acts 2.17, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Wait a minute. We have Jesus comes. He ministers to his disciples and to many others. He's crucified. They spend 50 days in prayer. Jesus teaching his disciples. And now it's time for the next step to take place. And Peter says that is described in verse 17, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So what we're going to have now is an increasing number of people that God has poured his spirit out upon, initiated, brought into the fold. But we're going to have also an increasing number of people who believed in Jesus who are left out of the Holy Spirit's coming. And today we see that everywhere. People are comfortable listening to soft-spoken preachers who have no word on how they're to live, but only on how they're to succeed in this life. Nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus. I don't know if you got that. Did you get it? I want you to come close and and just try to listen, hear what I'm saying. There were those called to be with Jesus, Peter, James, John, disciples, and many others. They were with Jesus in the crucifixion. Now we are post-crucifixion. Fifty days. And now Jesus begins to pour out his spirit. 
And yet there are many, many people who are going to be utterly deceived. They're they're going to be left out. I was sitting at breakfast this morning, and it was all I could do to contain my tears. All of these people are being left out. And you know what? I'm left out too. And I don't like that. And I don't want to be left out. But you see, there's a part of my heart that's hard-edged. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be a part of this thing that God is now initiating. But I also want to own the Holy Spirit. I know I can't. But hear me. Don't be... Don't be snotty. The Holy Spirit has to possess me and control me and be in charge of me, and I cannot be in charge of the Holy Spirit. I see people who think they're speaking in tongues. In fact, they're not speaking in tongues. They're speaking in gibberish. They're speaking in foolishness based on some false understanding, false belief, because they're still very much in charge of their own lives. You can't be in charge of your own life. You've got to learn how to live before you can learn how to die. Now, just walk with me. Even on my servants, verse 18, both men and women, Are women allowed to preach? No, Paul says they're not allowed to preach. Is that a correct interpretation of what Paul said? No, it's not. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. They will preach. We're so set and rigid. Makes me angry. Do we have different functions? Yes, we do. But is the function of prophesying separated out only from men? No, it's not. I will show you wonders. Verse 19, in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, what we have here is a set of instructions.
So it's the Lord's intention that men and women prophesy, preach. It's the Lord's intention that we see wonders in the heavens. Let me put it this way. The Holy Spirit came in power on Pentecost. Before that, Jesus came in power in Bethlehem of Judea. He was crucified. And now he's ascended into the heavens. And now the Holy Spirit has come. Did you hear what I just said? The Holy Spirit has come. It was his wind we heard blowing. It was his... It was his initiation. You'll have a hard time with this, I know. But Jesus is going to do it all through his Holy Spirit. This is not going to happen through the power of men. After I became a pastor and had been pastoring for quite a few years, the Holy Spirit whispered to me, I can do more in one day than you can do in your whole lifetime. I said, what? Yes, I can do more in a day than you can do in your whole lifetime. Well, then, let's do it. Then get out of the way, Ray. Learn about me. Humble your heart. Lord, do whatever you have to do to me to humble my heart. He has, he is. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man accredited by God to you by miracles. What? initiated by Jesus, by God, wonders and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to hold on to him. Now, are you catching something today? This whole salvation issue, it's all been initiated by God. Salvation is initiated by God, not by us. We're not saved by our begging God to save us. We're saved by trusting 
what God wants to do in us and for us. It is his initiation, not mine. It's what he chooses to do, not what I choose to do. How did I get the idea that it was up to me to come up with new programs for salvation? How did that happen? Such stupidity on my part and on the part of the church. You see, the vast majority of people who call themselves Christians have no trust in God's veracity, have no trust that God will do what he's been doing for centuries. That is, working out his plan of salvation for the human race. And and you have these bullheaded people, I've been one, who wanted to just charge straight ahead, take charge of what God has created through his Son, and be in charge. And the Holy Spirit left. Said, you guys, you think you can do this? Okay. Go to it. I'll check back time to time. It's very interesting to me what happened at the turn of the century at Azusa Street in L.A., where great the greatest move of God in all of human history took place for the salvation of men, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in power. Why did he not choose one of the well-set-up Presbyterian churches? He didn't. In fact, it was a Presbyterian pastor who came and pretty much messed up everything the Holy Spirit had tried to accomplish with this foolish doctrine of the finished work of Christ. The work of Christ is not finished, it's just begun. Jesus did not do it all on the cross. He did it. He completed the work there that was necessary for the salvation of men. But now men have to be saved. And he sent the Holy Spirit to accomplish that work of salvation, teaching men about Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit's job, to teach us about Jesus, to exercise his power, to exercise the power of Jesus. Not my power, to exercise Jesus' power. To bring about a total change of wickedness to righteousness. But we weren't happy with that. We wanted everything to be done the way we wanted it to be done. And so the well-set-up Presbyterians, they were bypassed. The well-set-up Baptists, they were pretty much bypassed. Pastor Seymour had to sit outside of a classroom because they were white and he was black. He sat out in the hallway and listened and learned and had a fire lit in his heart that he wanted the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to be poured out. 
And it was. Not first to him. No, it came to the lowliest. Why? Because people with attitude and arrogance and self-satisfaction in their religion, in their rituals, had no room for the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came as a baby in Bethlehem, the inn had no room for him. So he was born in a manger. Not a very sophisticated place, would you say? Not even at the level of a a day's inn. He was shut out. And when the Holy Spirit came, he could barely find a way. Pastors came from all over the country. One pastor, Presbyterian, who messed up what God tried to do. He came, and he got to the divine holy marker of about a mile circle outside of Azusa Street. Full of himself, he was coming to get the gift of the Holy Spirit so he could be more powerful in ministry. Oh, my, how foolish we are. He got to that mile point, and the Holy Spirit knocked him down in his beautiful suit and put him in the dust and the dirt and the manure, the dirty streets of L.A. And there he wept as he was humbled and whipped before God by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? This whole move of God at Azuzu Street was for the humble, for the black, and the white, as they came and the, the blood of Jesus washed away the race, washed away the race line, and made men and women one. In Jesus. The Lord bypassed the rich and the powerful. Oh, you're rich and you're powerful. He's going to bypass you unless you take a turn. And you humble your heart before God. And you say, I can't make it on my own. I don't know what to do on my own. You see, God is trying to bring those who've heard about Jesus, but are lost, and that's most of you. 
He's trying to bring you into a relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us about Jesus. Jesus is gone. He's in heaven, but the Holy Spirit is here. He doesn't want people who are impressed by themselves. I've been much too impressed by my own ministry and my own words. I've had to repent and say, Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm so full of me. I'm so full of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lord, wash me, cleanse me. Put me in a wash tub, like David said, and stomp on me until I'm clean. We're going to have to come and pray and cry out to God and say, Oh God, oh God, bend me, break me. Evan Roberts from the Welsh Revival. He was bent and broken by the Holy Spirit in his tears and his crying before God would pierce the hearts of the proud. And they'd say, if that godly man is talking that way, if that godly man is humbling his heart in the dust, then I'd better humble my heart in the dust too. Mr. You better humble your heart in the dust, too. You see, what's going to happen, and I can tell you now, it's happening everywhere. Very respectable people have become a part of the church. Very respectable people go about their business. Very respectable people go about their jobs and their interests and their playing and their sports. Very respectable people. but no power of the Holy Spirit. Because this is going to have to be a work initiated by the Holy Spirit. It's going to have to be a work initiated by God for the salvation of America, or America will burn. We're right on the verge of catastrophic things happening. And I can't come with any sense of pride or any sense of prophetic utterance. I'm tired of prophetic utterances. I want to hear the cries of the sinners. I want to hear the cry of my own heart as I humble myself before Almighty God and say there has to be a huge shift and change. Does God have to come and teach you how to live before he can teach you how to die? My answer is yes, please, Holy Spirit, come and teach me. Teach me how to live. Verse 32, this is Acts 2.32. God has raised this Jesus to life. 
and we're all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see and what you hear. Verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent. If your heart's being cut today, good. Thank you, Jesus. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, Repent. Repent. The well-set-up Presbyterians won't repent. Not until great tragedy has come upon this nation. The well-set-up Baptists and the assemblies of God, they're so proud of their stand before God. There has to be a total humbling of the American church, of me. I represent the American church. has to be a total breaking. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You're not going to have your sins forgiven by going to church and playing that you're righteous. You're going to have to go to church and humble your heart and begin to weep and cry and say, I'm not righteous and I'm not going to make it if something major doesn't happen here. And God is going to make something major happen. How do I know that? Because it's all his initiation. It's all his work. It's his salvation, not my salvation. Not your salvation. It's Jesus' salvation. And you get to be a part of it. But not the way you're going now. The way you're going now... You pretended your salvation, but on the day the sky is split open and rolled up like a scroll, he'll say to you, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. I don't want to hear those words. Do you? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom I, the Lord, our God, will call. It's only the called who can come. Is your heart hard? Is your heart hard? Do you try to live your life the way you think you ought to live it? Or have you recognized that all of salvation is initiated by Jesus? Jesus is the one who initiates.
all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's what he wants to do. He still wants to do the same thing. But see, we joined, quote, the church. So we're saved. No, you're not. Pastor, I love Jesus. Really? Are you sure? Then do what he commands. Obey him. Don't go join the... No, I don't want to say this. Don't go join the so-called Christians who have no tears in their eyes and no weeping before the Lord full of themselves. Lord, break us. Lord, break us. Break me. Lord, break me. Bend me. I humble my heart before you. And I plead for those who are listening to the broadcast today. Lord, I recognize that you can do more in a day than I could do in my lifetime. Because you are God. And all power and authority belong unto you, Jesus, Son of the living God. And you sent your Holy Spirit to us. And now, Holy Spirit, come. Take charge of your church. Take charge of my family. Take charge of me, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Come quickly. There's a whole multitude of people in utter deception, thinking that they're saved and they're lost, living their normal American lives, going about their normal American deal, never understanding that they're called out of that into you, Jesus. They're called out to walk into you, Jesus. They don't know how to live, and they're going to die in ignorance. Lord, I need to be taught how to live by your Holy Spirit. 
humbling my heart. Oh, Jesus, please come. I'm so tired of my own heart's arrogance. And my brothers and sisters, their pride and their arrogance block you from coming to us. Everybody thinks they know so much, but they don't know you, Jesus. Oh, Spirit of the living God, please come. Please come. I recognize I cannot now or ever own you, Holy Spirit. It is you who must own me. And it's your work of grace, Jesus, that you would send your Holy Spirit to take ownership of your people. Come, Holy Spirit. Take your rightful ownership of me and of your church. I no longer want in any manner to be full of myself. I turn myself over to you for your initiation, for your work, to do whatever you need to do, I give up all my plans, all of my hopes, all of my dreams, all of race, wicked desire to be in charge. You be in charge, Holy Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, I'm glad you could listen today. I know all I can do is come and say what the Holy Spirit gives me to say. I have no ability in myself. It is... what the Holy Spirit would say. We're in trouble, people, because we think we're in charge. We think that we're the ones who initiated all of this.
but it was Jesus Christ who initiated it with the Father before the creation of the world. And it's Jesus who's going to finish this work. I'm asking, please, Jesus, in your great kindness and mercy, would you bring a new spirit of life into the church? A spirit of holiness, a spirit of humility. Would you come, Jesus, and bring to us the gift of repentance For I know that repentance is the only door into the kingdom of Jesus. Humbling. Repentance. Lord, I come today. And my heart is broken for my condition and my brother's and sister's condition. But I also recognize that you have a heart full of compassion. And there are many today listening who are broken physically, financially, spiritually. And they need you, Jesus, to come and minister to them. There are some today who are utterly discouraged in their wickedness. They would rather be discouraged and cast down if it means they don't have to humble their hearts before you and repent. I ask, Lord, that you would minister to them, to the downtrodden and the downhearted. Lord, I know I know we're not going to make it without you coming and changing us. So, Lord, today, would you touch with healing the broken and the sick? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to come on Sunday. We'd love to have you. Just come. You can get that information from our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. Don't let your pride keep you away. Don't let your fear keep you away. Just come. And the Lord will meet you. I don't know what he'll do to you but he will meet you. I would love to hear from many of you. This broadcast is offered by the Holy Spirit. You can be a part of it by giving. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Post Office Box 2346. 
Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I hope this has been very helpful to you. Go after God. Learn how to live before you have to die. I love you.